0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics. This is the Bellator Christi podcast where we take Christianity into the arena of ideas. This is your host for the next 30 minutes, yours truly, Brian Chilton. Today we have a very special show uh, as we notice that uh, racism is afflicting our nation. Uh, Riots are breaking out. Anger is increasing among certain groups. Even just yesterday, uh, we were notified of another shooting that took place uh, down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It seems as if resentment is taking hold. Yet we're reminded in the scriptures that in Galatians 3.28, there is no longer Jew or Gentile. There is no longer slave or free, male and female. For you all are all one in Christ Jesus. So the question is, how do we find Reconciliation. Well on today's podcast we uh, speak with Melissa Pellew. Uh, Melissa is a, uh, a studied Christian apologetics at Southern Evangelical Seminary, is a Ratio Christi chapter director at Winthrop University, co-host of Theology Matters with the Pellews with her husband Devin Pelu, and also co-host on True Life Fridays Radio. Uh, She's also on the speaking team with WomenInApologetics.com and is a pro-life advocate. So we welcome today with us on the Bellator Christie podcast, uh, Miss Melissa Pelu. Melissa, thank you so much for being with us today.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Pastor Brown. I'm really excited and thankful um, to you for the opportunity to be on the air with you.
1: It's always a privilege. And pleasure talking with you. Uh, obviously, you and Devin uh, mean a whole lot to us, and and just the mm-hmm. uh, power of your testimony, the the things that you guys have encountered, and and just you still hold your head up mm-hmm. and trust in Christ. It's just an absolute testimony to the power of Christ working within you guys. And and uh, one mm-hmm. thing also that absolutely just mm-hmm. fascinates me about both of you is that you go to these uh, uh, atheist conferences, and a lot of times mm-hmm. even these. Uh, conferences and share the gospel with them and that's absolutely fantastic
2: yeah we kind of fly by the seat of our pants in our house so um we enjoy engaging people of different worldviews um and just spreading the lord's uh the lord's word and um just seeing people come to faith and trust in christ and so we are um just we're humbled that god would choose to use us in this way and um we are just thankful for your friendship and for um, all that you mean to our family as well
1: and i understand Devin he's going to be uh be ordained here uh, at the latter part of august if i'm not mistaken
2: he will be yes through um the southern baptist convention which you're a part of so you'll be brothers in ministry so that's been um a long time coming and we're um excited for that journey and we'll see you know where the lord leads us um in terms of pastoral ministry but just enjoying serving him you know wherever we can and with whatever opportunities that he gives us for now <laughs> amen well melissa
1: if you would uh mm-hmm. take a moment and tell us about your salvation experience
2: oh yeah absolutely um so i was not um raised in a christian home i um uh, made a, a, a lot of poor choices uh growing up and uh led me to a lot of dark places in my life and um that I, I isolated myself from a lot of people because of the bad choices that i was making and actually um i got saved through a um a wrong phone number someone called me called me and they called from, uh, they, called, they They were trying to reach someone else, but they reached me instead. So they called the wrong number. Um, me and this, this individual got into a long conversation somehow about the Lord. And it, it was, again, a very dark place in my life. Um, I was um, basically at that point in my life suicidal and uh, feeling very alone. And um, he shared the gospel with me and encouraged me to attend church and I, I just had no idea what any of that was about, but I thought, you know, I'll give it a try. And I went to church um, a couple of days later on that Sunday morning, and it was as if the, the the preacher was talking right to me and looking right at me the whole time because the word of God was just convicting me. And it was it was that day that um, I just I bowed my knees to the Lord, and you know I I asked him that day if he would just um, you know when he saved me if if he could just use my life, because I knew that I, I used my life for so much evil and wickedness, and I just wanted to be an instrument to be used by him at that point in my life, and he just opened so many doors for me to uh, share his gospel and his truth and what, he, what he'd done in my life, and just gave me a love for, the, for truth and a love for his word. So that's the journey that I've been on um, since 2000, and um, met my husband, and Uh, We have just been um, serving the Lord together, but it is is all through the grace of God that this is um, not anything that I've done, but just his work in my life and and just saving a sinner like me. So I'm just excited that, um, you know, just that I have the opportunity to to share his love and truth with others and to be a defender of the faith. You know, we talk about the
1: sovereignty of God. I mean, mean, my goodness, Mm -hmm. you know, a wrong
0: for, you
1: know, just. (laughs) It, it may have seemed like uh-huh. a mistake to us, but it was intentional for him, you know.
2: <laughs> right. <laughs> absolutely, yeah. It was um, definitely his sovereignty in his hand um, in the whole situation from from start until now, until I know the day that I, I go to be with him in glory. So I'm, I'm just, I'm still overwhelmed by the whole thing at times, you know.
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had the luxury of being brought up in a Christian home, but even still, you know, <laughs> um, you, you know, when you when you see God working, you know I think He truly puts people in your lives, uh, in, our, in our lives mm-hmm. at, at a particular moment, in a particular for a particular reason. And, um, wow. and I, you know, of course, I'm, my testimony is I strayed from the faith, even being brought in the Christian home. But you know, like mm-hmm. you say, you know, He puts people in our lives at a particular moment in time, and and um, you know you just see, definitely see mm-hmm. His hand working. You know, in in a mighty mighty way. So uh, we again, we appreciate you and and what God is doing through your life, and uh, oh, just okay. absolutely amazing to see how He's uh, uh, brought you to faith. I, that's, I've never heard that story till now. That's absolutely <laughs> amazing. How he, <laughs>
2: yeah, we serve an awesome God, awesome Sovereign Lord.
1: We certainly do. Well, Melissa, uh, we faced <laughs> racial division in the history mm-hmm. of our nation for quite some time, and. And quite honestly, you could probably go back and say that the entire world has faced racial problems and racial divisions, Uh, but it seems Mm -hmm. to have escalated in recent years. What do you feel is the root cause of racism?
2: Hmm. Well, yeah, that's a very interesting question. You know, just to give your listeners a background of uh, who I am and uh, some of my life and and maybe my perspectives, um, I, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm. a black American and um, so I um, obviously have dealt with this issue I'm, I'm on some degree and um, I am married to uh, my husband is, is Caucasian and we have a daughter who um, obviously is um, biracial so um, this is you know especially personal to me um, being that our household is is a mixture of ethnicities and that so um, but I grew up um, for the most part, well, I've grown up my entire life in the South and in North Carolina. And um, so I've not been sheltered in any way. Um, Actually, um, part of my life, I lived um, in the inner city of Charlotte, um, probably in the worst neighborhood in Charlotte. Um, um, Pretty much um, um, 100% um, minority. So I lived amongst um, a lot of illegal activity and things that uh, really a young person shouldn't have to see. But um, I just I, I share all that to say that when I share on these issues, I'm not sharing as one person who is has been sheltered or has lived with some sort of silver spoon who's never been exposed to uh, any of these issues. So I just kind of wanted to to jump in with that. <laughs> um, Absolutely. But yeah, so. I mean, obviously, our country has a horrible uh, track record when it comes to race relations. Um, Obviously, the slavery of the past and um, Jim Crow laws, uh, segregation, all these things. The images that we um, have seen in the history books of, you know, young black children being hosed with high-powered water hoses by um, by police in the civil rights movement and in the protest. men being attacked by police dogs for protesting for their civil rights, these sort of things. So these are images, you know, the lynchings and the pictures of of that that we have throughout history. I thank God that we have those pictures and those images so that we can be reminded, you know, of the past so that we don't repeat the past. Um, But, yeah, I agree that. um, But I, I do also recognize that we have, Come a long way, and that there has been progress. And now there, there are some who would have you believe that we are no better than we were, you know, 100 years ago. And um, I would, I would really kind of press them on that, um, just to be intellectually honest about that. Um, so we have come a long way. We have had um, two uh, Secretary of State who are who are black um, under a Republican president. <laughs> Um, you know, of course, our first black president a black Supreme Court justice appointed under a Republican president, so um, our country has become more and more diverse, interracial marriages are on the rise, and these sort of things. Um, but I think that we do as you as you stated, we do see in recent um, years black um, spheres in particular a rise in racial tensions, anger, division and um, I'm no conspiracy theorist. <laughs> so uh, and I just, I also just want to say that these are these are my observations and I don't want them to necessarily reflect yours as front of people to to write you hate mail because of me. <laughs> you can write me if <laughs> you don't believe <agree> me. <laughs> um but I, I do believe and, and I I think it's been demonstrated that there are um anti anti God um divisive powers um in control of our media outlet that Um, control the narrative of our day, that these um, outlets have um, something to gain from keeping Americans divided, that certain things are highlighted that fit a particular agenda, while other things are ignored completely, and that um, this has become a tool to divide us because we know that power comes in unity. And so, you know, a a tool of, of Satan is to divide. So I, I ultimately believe this is a spiritual um, battle that we're that we're facing, but that um, there are earthly means being used to communicate and to um, cause uh, or earth, to stir up. I'd I say stir up. I think I think the divisions probably exist already um, in people's hearts and minds, but um, certain powers of the world are used to stir those up in a negative way and not in a positive way. So I, I think that our differences can unite us because, um, you know, obviously, uh, again, there's power and unity, and um, God created us different, but he created us all in his image. So he has a purpose in how um, we were created. But um, there is um, there, there are powers that do not want to see that because um, of um, different agendas that exist outside of us that That's right. they control. So I think that has yeah, a team, huge part listen, to team We have a
1: listen. call. I just want to let our listeners know we'll, we'll wait and talk, take uh calls towards the end of the podcast. Uh, so that we can get through the, okay. some of the questions that we have. And then we'll, if it's okay with you, we'll take the questions towards the end of the podcast. And our number is, uh, for those who may be listening live, three two three seven eight four nine six one seven. Again, that's three two three seven eight four nine six one seven. But we'll wait and hold off uh, on taking any calls towards the end of the podcast. So uh, yeah, okay. and, and I have, <laughs> what was that now? I'm I sorry. Think-
2: Oh, great, we're gonna be taking calls. this <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> will elicit a lot of, of a lot of conversation for sure
1: well, absolutely, and this is something that is absolutely perhaps I would even dare say one of the most important topics I've covered recently and again, I thank you mm-hmm. so much for coming on the courage to come on here and to share your testimony and to share about this because this is something we need we need more conversations relating to this to this issue. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I would tend to agree with what you said about the media, you know, because it seems like controversy tends to create, let's be honest, cash, as I've heard it put before. Mm-hmm. Uh, but mm-hmm. in the midst of all this chaos, it it would appear that Christianity offers hope to cure the racial divide. How does the gospel message address this issue, and what hope does it offer?
2: Absolutely. Um, I, the You quoted a verse earlier um, – Galatians 3, um, which says um, that, you know, um, we're all one in Christ. There's, you know, no neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free, but we're all one in Christ. So um, the beauty of Christianity and of the, the gospel message is that we all share the same genetic code um, in that from one blood we all came. Um, so that makes us all equal in the eyes of God who made us as special creation. So I um, actually just finished teaching um, a um, class on creation with some ladies in theology class. But um, we looked at special creation and how as uh, as humans we are distinct from uh, the animal kingdom and that we are um, created in God's likeness and image. So um, in that sense, we all have to enter through the foot of the cross, no matter where we are, where we came from, we all are sinners, we all need a savior. Um, I think the book of Revelation is so key. Um, In Revelation seven, when we see a picture um, that John gives us a glimpse into, um, what the throne in heaven and and what's going on and what it looks like and he describes the scene with uh, all nations and tribes and people and tongues and they're all worshiping the Lord together. Um, and I don't think that that was an accident that that was recorded specifically about the different nations and tribes and people because that's a picture of God's plan for humanity, for us to worship him together in spirit and in truth. Um, so, again, I think, you know, we talked about, talk about the scripture in Galatians 3. Um, a lot of the divisive rhetoric that happens um, we we become divided along group lines. So, you know, I'm black, you're white, you know, you're Asian, I'm Hispanic, I'm young, you're old, you know, these sort of things. um, That when we look at groupthink, they do divide us. But, again, as individuals, Christ created us all um, in his image and his likeness. And, um, again, we we are to worship him in spirit and truth. So um, I think that the gospel has the answer in that it shows us our origins um, you know, unlike what what we see with, you know, macroevolution, for instance, where um, we're kind of man is this um, result of uh, countless cosmic accidents and these sort of things and random, uh, or just a random sort of chance. But we have actually the fingerprint of God who breathes life, in, life into us. So um, I think if we view um, ourselves and each other as creations of God, special creations of God in his likeness, made in his image. Then we see ourselves um, as equals, and we see ourselves. Um, yeah. We see that we have more in common than we have different. Um, you know, in, in the end. So, um, and I, I wanted to point out earlier that I, when I, I was making the statement about the um, divisions that we see, um, I'm not discounting that there is no racism. So I want to make that clarify that. Um, I I, right. I know that we're sinner. We're in a fallen world, and racism is a sin. So, I think racism exists on. Different levels and amongst different peoples, not just white Americans or not just you know certain groups of people, but that it is it's a sin of the heart um whenever we uh do not view our fellow man as God views fellow man so um i, I wanted to make that distinction but the the issue is the division that becomes perpetuated when we don't find real solutions and we don't as um we don't confess those sins but that we um again, we just perpetuate the differences between us rather than the fact that we're all created in God's likeness and image.
1: Amen. You know, I had a chance to speak uh, recently at a, at a at a Methodist church to a group of kids, and and God led me mm. to John chapter 4 where Jesus speaks to the Samaritan woman. And, you know, there was a <laughs> racial tension between Jews and Samaritans, but, you know, he broke down that barrier. Mm-hmm. He broke down that barrier mm-hmm. to speak with her and, and. And everybody was shocked. Like, what are you doing speaking with this woman? And he broke down the right. barrier, showing that, you know, in Christ there is no Jew or Samaritan. There is no black or white. There is no Latino or non-Latino. We are all one in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And right. that's a powerful message.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it's a message that we need for today. I mean, I'm, I'm blessed in my life to... Have it in my and within my family. too, my my mother raised us around different ethnicities and around different people, and they were in our home and we were in their homes. And the same goes now for for our family. So my friendships and relationships are built in Christ. They're they are, are strong, healthy, edifying, God glorifying relationships that um, race is, has not, has no factor. So um, unfortunately, some people aren't exposed to that. And so this is where um, misconceptions and divisions and um, tensions you know evoke because we're not um we're not living as one body unfortunately
1: so would you say exposing yourself to other people of different ethnicities would be a key in maybe perhaps trying to solve this problem
2: I do I absolutely do um and i I do want to distinguish though um because there is this, um, you know, we talk about racial reconciliation and diversity and these sort of things. There's a worldly concept of that too that does not mirror what the gospel has to say. Um, and I would say that the worldly concept is that, um, you know, you just you just befriend someone because they're a different color because you want to you want the ju- the privilege of knowing someone of a, of it's more self-centered um, to say that you have friends who are of other ethnicities um, or I, to I, kind I, of uh, to kind of be excused from being uh, assumed to be a racist and these sort of things, you know. Well, I have black friends and I have white friends, you know, these kind of things. Um, right. But but genuinely wanting to know another individual who is different than you, like wanting to know who they are, what their likes are, what their dislikes are, having a genuine interest in in them as an individual apart um, apart from their from their skin, apart from those sort of things. Um, but just, again, getting to know their character, right, um, what Dr. King said, you know, um, judging by the character and not the um, the content of character and not the color of skin. So, like, genuine relationships that um, uh, mimic unity in Christ and not superficial um, type, uh, you know, like diversity programs. We just throw each other together and just try to go at it. Um, that's not, you know, Christian relationships are deep. they're they're difficult. <laughs> Sometimes in, we don't understand each other in Christian relationships. We have difficulties in Christian relationships. I mean, I know with marriage we do with you know with friendships, you know even though we're believers, we're we're all sinners. Um, so but we're not called to uh, God has not called us to a life of ease or comfort. He's called He's called us to be an example to the world. So these relationships may um, take work, may take time may take effort, but again, it's not a superficial um type relationship that is self seeking and self serving but actually genuinely wanting to um love and and know our brothers and sisters across our ethnic lines
1: absolutely and that's an excellent point that needs to be made fantastic point well mm-hmm. speaking of the different movements going on what what are your thoughts on the black lives matter movement
2: okay <laughs> Yeah, I knew
1: that was
2: gonna come up. <laughs> or is or did so, I open up um, a can of worms? <laughs> no, 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 it's fine. I no, it's fine. Again, um my my from my perspective and from my studies and from my observations, um I'm I'm not a um I'm not a a supporter of that movement. Um I I think the movement is somewhat scattered. Um, there's no strategy, there's no defined goals, um there's really no view of reconciliation or unity um, in terms of the Black Lives organization in general. Um, it's a lot different than the civil rights movement of, of the 60s that we saw. Um, the civil rights movement was God-centered. Um, it was God, God-glorified. There was a total emphasis on, total emphasis on unity and on reconciliation. Um, there was a respect for authority. There was, a, there was just a respect Factor. Um, there was discipline. There was restraint. All of these things, in the name of of seeing the bigger picture of reconciliation. These are these are some of the things that I do see that are that that are missing um, in the foundation of the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I think that it um, the focus is uh, is not on necessarily acknowledging um, the humanity of, of the lives of of all people, um, but but that there is um there there's just a, a um a division there that exists. And I mean again, I'm I can't speak to the world because um I'm not I'm I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, but when it comes to Christians, um we, we just have to be careful and mindful when we just take up arms with movements that um you know, that do glorify things that Christ stands against. So fundamentally, we have to look at what these, um, what these movements stand for. And um, I mean, a lot of Christian leaders that I respect and admire um, have no problem with linking arms with the movement. I, on the other hand, think that the ch- I think that the church should be leading this movement of rec- racial reconciliation rather than compromising our values and linking arms with an organization that does not glorify our God, that does not um, ultimately have a goal of unity. I think that we should be the ones leading the conversation because we have the answers. We have the scriptures that tells us exactly um, how to solve this problem. So, um, again, there's other things that, you know, that are more nuanced that that we can't find exactly in scripture, strategies and those sort of things. But we ultimately have have the book that gives us um, the foundation that you have to start from. And so I just think, again, that Christians should be, Careful. Um I, I I don't um I don't condemn the movement per se, but I don't support the movement. Um I just think that Christians should be leading the charge and leading be a leading voice. And I think that we could we should be influencing the Black Lives Matter movement as opposed to the other way around where we're conforming our message.
1: Amen. Amen. Absolutely. And that's one thing, um, you know, I Dr. Derwin Gray has agreed to come on the podcast. Um,
3: Oh,
0: wow. We'll we'll be recording.
1: I was very impressed with him at last year's uh, Southern Evangelical Seminary National Conference on Christian Apologetics uh, and Mm -hmm. the work he's doing down in Transformation Church, building a Mm -hmm. multi-ethnic, multi-generational church down in Indian land, South Carolina. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think he was going to say yes to coming on the show, but I thought, you know, I have two great passions Theology, I love the Bible and football, and man, that's combined together. <laughs> I that's may be a <laughs> Just I pray believe. for me, but you know. <laughs> but anyhow, you know, but but you know, he he's combining that. He he's uh, he's focused on you know. Hey, we're going to share the gospel regardless. Of what someone looks like, regardless of where they come.
3: Right. And,
1: and he said something at last year's uh, conference that really resonated with me, is that that's what heaven's going to look like, you know. Right. It's, it's going to look like that. We're going to have people from all different tribes, from all different ethnicities, from all different languages coming together as mm-hmm. one, worshiping Christ, you know, as, as Savior. Right. And I think he's dead on the money with that.
2: Yeah, you know, he is. And the. You know, when when you're talking about the gospel, when, when Pastor Derwin's talking about the gospel, I think that's so key to this whole picture. And I think it's the missing element um, that has that unfortunately gets left out um, many times. So, you know, if if our lives don't matter, then black lives don't matter, right? So there right. is, because morality isn't relative, because there is absolute truth and there, is, there are absolute rights and wrongs, we can make definitive claims that it is wrong to hate a person or to treat a person a certain way, or, or to kill a person or to hurt a person based on the color of their skin because of some sort of racial superiority that complex that one may feel. So we can make that claim that there are you know, absolute truth claims. And then we can also make the, 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 um, the, the claim that um, because people are made in, in the image of God, that they're valuable. And so this, you know, this message of absolute morality, um, the special creation of God and humanity um, it leads right into you know God's purpose for for humans, and it leads right into the gospel message. Um, you know we have we falter there because we kind of we get stuck. You know um, here with uh, the race issue is 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 vital, and I think it, we need to have these conversations. I mean, don't get me wrong, but we want we want to have the conversations in a truthful way and in an edifying way. Um, but, but in a way that incorporates facts and, and truth and these things that God is about, you know, and, and we need to wait for facts and these sort of things so we can make proper judgments and not view the world um, through, through race-colored lenses. But again, these, um, just the fact that we know that there's morality through the outrage that people feel at, at racism and at the loss of human life. And you know the the value of human life, which is uh, um, a reason for the outrage as well. Um, that life has been lost. These are these are these are um, are ways into the gospel that we that we need to be sharing with people through this through these tragedies.
1: Let me let our listeners know right quick. Uh, we, our, our, the live show uh, is coming to a close, but we're going to go into overtime. Uh, we have about 15 minutes extra allotted to us. So if you're listening to the live show and it cuts off, uh, you know, be sure you can call in if you have a question for Melissa, or you can go back and listen to the uh, recorded uh, section of the podcast on the TuneIn radio app and also on iTunes. Um, I tell you, Melissa, we have a caller. Well, let's take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we'll okay. take this call. And uh, let's just – let's go ahead and uh, and do this right quick, and we'll go ahead and get the caller online. They, they've been waiting for quite some time, so let's let's go ahead and do that
2: right okay. now. Sounds
0: great. Southern Evangelical Seminary presents The Defense Never Rests, the National Conference on Christian Apologetics. Coming to Charlotte, North Carolina, October 13th through 15th, 2016. Come be equipped to defend the faith. This three-day event features over 100 sessions from more than 50 speakers, including many of the world's top Christian thinkers, such as Lee Strobel, author of many books, including The Case for Christ. Jay Sekula, Chief Counsel for the American Center for Law and Justice, SES Co-Founder Norman Geisler, and SES President Richard Lamb, Veteran Apologist Josh McDowell, Frank Turek, Jay Warner Wallace, SES Professors, and many more. Join us for America's largest and longest-running apologetics conference. Thursday is a dedicated day for women only. Register now and save. It's time to get off the sidelines and get into the game. The defense never rests. To learn more, visit SES.edu. Southern Evangelical Seminary, on campus, online, on mission.
1: All right, we're on the overtime edition here on the Bellator Christie Podcast here on July 18th as we've been talking about uh, healing the racial divide with Melissa Pellew. Uh, we do have a caller. Well, let's take the call now. Uh, this is a call ending with the number 4756. Welcome to the Bellator Christie Podcast. Did you have a question for Melissa?
3: Greetings. I, uh, my name is Roger. I'm calling from New Orleans, and I was just enjoying the discourse you were having. I'm the son of a of an African-American Baptist pastor here in New Orleans. I, I mm-hmm. want to say that there's a lot of attempt to separate African-American grievance of police brutality from the civil rights movement. It's the same. The civil rights movement was demonized. It was condemned. The, the federal government attacked it. And Martin Luther King, in his last book, Chaos Our Community, or Where Do We Go From Here, Chaos Our Community, he talks about Mm -hmm. the conditions in the urban ghettos in a response. When his speech he gave, Why I Opposed the War in Vietnam, he said he could not condemn the young people who were being upset in the cities while the United States was at war in Vietnam. So I think that we need to study Dr. King in an appropriate mm-hmm. light. When my That's relatives when my relative's home was bombed in Shreveport, it was a civil mm-hmm. rights leader. It was the white mm-hmm. Christian community that condemned the mm-hmm. civil rights workers. They were absent mm-hmm. in support of uh, the black freedom cause. So Black mm-hmm. Lives Matter movement is just one of several groups that have always existed to uh, let people know of the injustice of policing as it relates to Native Americans, as it relates to blacks. And I think that being blind mm-hmm. in Christian uh, theology only makes the problem worse. It's an escapism. And paternalism by, by white Christians is not going to help by hurting black uh, evangelical Christians into uh, la-la land.
2: Gotcha. Okay, yeah, Melissa, I mean, what would you say? Yeah, i oh, go ahead, go ahead, Pastor Brown.
1: Oh, I was I was just going to ask what what are your what is your response to Mr. Roger?
2: Oh, absolutely. Um, I you know I grew up. I mean, my my parents made sure that we knew civil rights history, that we understood, and we read books and we studied it, and we we knew our past. We were proud of our past. Um, my mom actually um attended segregated school up until. I think second grade, so you know, in South Carolina, so so you know, it has you know affected you know my family personally. Um, I just I do again I, I do question um, some of the um, anti-authority sort of practice of black lives matter movement. I don't um, I don't question um, the need to um, to to talk about race and to fight injustice. Um, again, I just I. I think that we need to to step back, and that we need to um, have open, honest discord. And the sad thing is that um, a lot of the tragedies that we're seeing are being um, they're being hijacked um, for for that um, particular agendas are being hijacked. I mean, we look at Black Lives Matter movement and those who are funding that whole um, the whole movement. Um, they, there isn't there. There is a benefit um, to those who are who are behind it. Again, I, I don't think that um, they're the enemy. I don't condemn them. I just think that, that the church should be leading the the, um, the charge because ultimately we, we do have the answers. But um, again, I'm, i um, applaud any, you know applaud those who are um, right, righteously um, trying to create unity and to fight injustices.
1: Roger, do you have any other
3: questions for Ms. Melissa? Yeah, I want to look at, when we look at the Civil Rights Movement, we saw variations mm-hmm. in the Civil Rights Movement. We saw right. the SNCC, the Student for Nonviolent quoting Committee. We saw the Black Power Movement. And let me say this about the Black Power Movement. Dr. Martin Luther King was right there hand in hand with Stokely Carmichael. In fact, when he gave his sermon, why he opposed the war in Vietnam, he called Stokely Carmichael, to sit right on the front row of the church as he gave that sermon, he was right standing right mm-hmm. next to Stokely Carmichael in 1966
0: mm-hmm. when he right. was in
3: Mississippi yeah. and it was a call for black. So to to try to make Dr. King some conservative evangelical is a disgrace and a dishonor.
2: Well, yeah, I, I, I didn't I, I agree. Uh, Dr. No, I'm, not King, you, he, I'm not
3: saying you did that. I'm not oh, saying you're, you're saying doing that, me. but yeah. that's kind of that's yeah, kind of being do. done yeah. indirectly.
2: I I see what you're saying. Um Dr. King, I think he evolved um throughout his his um career. Um I I more or less um side more with him in his earlier days than the, the latter part of his um his ministry and activism. Um, there were I, mean, I I do see um a change that took place. I don't know what caused that or what precipitated that. But um I, I do admire him again, um, but there were some 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 changes throughout his his activism, and like you said, like especially Carmichael and these sort of people that you know he wouldn't have earlier in his um, ministry and activism probably associated with. Um, and, and, but, and can I say this?
3: Probably... Yes. Yeah, the, the Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter movement is really being used to put any dissent. Any critique, in this case, of policing under black, there have been hundreds of grassroots communities in all areas that have organized against not only police brutality but the violence that we inflict upon ourselves. And this Mm -hmm. is an attempt to stifle, to create a police state like McCarthyism, the Red Scare where if you question mm-hmm. police tactics, you're against police. And that's what you see going on. And I don't think that people should be allowed to have their consciousness because they lack historical information to be manipulated to be a part mm-hmm. of a McCarthy era where, oh, you're a communist, oh, you're a communist, so now is oh, you're against right. police, oh, you're against police, because the cops that have committed these killings will walk. And they're trying to get the public's consciousness adjusted to the fact that cops can kill whenever they decide and not be scrutinized. And this is what – this is the propaganda war that's taking place. And also be very suspicious of these two shooters as if it really happened the way we're being told because the two guys are dead, so Mm -hmm. we don't know anything, you Mm -hmm. see. So be very very suspicious.
1: Right. Roger just, I, I tell you what Thank you my friend for calling We're, we're actually getting ready to run out of time completely. Okay, thank you, thank you. <laughs> this is a great thank, conversation Thank, you, thank you again for your insight And for your questions uh, I, I want to go ahead and let Melissa Address that final topic But again thank you my friend And may, may God okay, for, truly bless you And you call back anytime you want to my friend Okay. Thank you Thank
2: you, thank you for your thoughts Roger and, you Melissa, and I, I'll let you I have the
1: final word on that Before we close we have exactly five minutes And then the whole system is going to cut us off, so <laughs> I'll let you have okay. the final word on this.
2: Yeah, I appreciate Roger's call, and I appreciate that we can have dialogue, and even on points that we disagree on because, you know, we do recognize that we are brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, yeah, just uh, the, I, I'm about biblical justice. I'm about – I am totally about justice. I'm, if if there were, were injustice committed, I absolutely believe that people should be prosecuted um, according to the law, and not according to skin color, um, not according to their occupation as a cop, what are what what have you? You know, not because of you know because they're young and black, but because of the the crime itself and those factors that are involved in that. So um, I'm I'm all about biblical justice, and I think that that um, sometimes that gets lost in in the discussion that um, some you know that that if you don't support the Black Lives Matter movement, that you don't necessarily think that. Um, cops or those who have committed, um, a, you know, injustices should be punished. And I don't think that that's the case. I mean, it's just been shown, you know, in some cases where um, there have been, um, there have not been indictments. And so, you know, independent, um, uh, independent um, entities have reviewed those cases. I mean, in the case with, um, with Michael Brown, um, Obama's Department of Justice, Eric Holder, um, they reviewed the case, and there was still no. Um, there was no indictment. So, again, those things are sometimes um, not emphasized, um, you know, in in this grand, grand scheme of things. But again, when there is an injustice, it should definitely be investigated. Should be followed through, and um, you know, we you know let the authorities handle that. But again, in a world view where you have no God and you have no uh, no lawgiver, you have no ultimate justice. You you don't have any peace. You don't have any justice. You don't have any any um you don't have any any reasons to even um to call anything wrong or unjustified so i think biblical justice is important and understanding that god ultimately um will right the wrongs so it doesn't mean that we turn a blind eye but we do have hope um, in the midst of the injustices that that do happen but we do want to be truthful or and look at the whole picture as well to make sure that we are viewing these um These uh, issues through God's perspective And not through maybe a race-tinted lens That we may have on ourselves So that needs to be also evaluated
1: Well, Melissa, I think we have one minute left And it's going to completely cut us off So I just want to take this moment to thank you so much Again, for your courage, for your insight I want to thank Roger for his call And uh, I I tell you, this this demonstrates to us the, The great need to have more conversations uh, about That's this cool. topic and i thank you again for what you said and your courage to come on
2: well thank you for having me on pastor brian and thank you for those who
1: listened and we're going to definitely have to do this again sometime very soon for melissa Pello, this has been brian shilton for the bellator Christie podcast god bless you and be sure to join us back next week we're going to continue this conversation with dr derwin gray uh, so be sure to join us next week for that podcast again thank you so much and we'll see you back next week